Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, observations of life, written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. We're gathered here for another session of the Senior Scribblers to record for a show during February. So we kind of teased out a couple of opportunities that either around a groundhog theme, kind of something that keeps coming back, <laughs> or Valentine's Day is also during February, or President's Day is also during February. So, Or ignore it altogether. <laughs> or ignore it altogether and write what you need to write, mm. or some variation amongst those. Absolutely, that's what we're sharing. That's really the key piece. Mine, mine's about love, so that fits in. Hey, there we go. <laughs> there we go. So let's do a round of introductions so that the people can at least hear our voice and know the voice and the name associated with it. I am Al Larkin. Faith Flaherty. I'm Bill Wiley. Zenobia Carson. I'm Peter Jay. And Steve Sherlock started it all. But I won't start the rest of this. I think Bill, because he's got a love poem. Bill, why don't we go with you? I got, I got a couple of them I might read. Okay. My girlfriend's name is uh, Wen, so I, wrote, I have her name in this one. When William meets Wen... When William meets when, who knows where we'll go, who knows where or when. We'll go over here, we'll go over there. With you, my darling, I'll go anywhere. I'll write you a poem, I'll sing you a song, but wherever we go, with you I belong. When William meets when, their lives will just glow, from the love that they feel right down to their toes. This beautiful lady, we must be together, I'll love her in sunshine or in rainy weather. These poems go on. They will not stop until we reach the mountain and climb to the top. When William meets when, I will cry happy tears. Our love will grow strong for a thousand years. But a thousand years just won't be enough. Let's make it forever through good times and tough. Okay, and this one is called My Treasure. It's you I will treasure, it's you that I pleasure. Our life together will just be the best, will make a sweet love nest. To hold you in my arms and squeeze you so tight, together our love will just take flight. But baby, I'm afraid of heights, but I love the beautiful sights. My favorite sight of all is you when you call. In the night or in the day, with you I will stay. My beautiful sweet one will watch the rising sun. And when the day is through, We'll watch the stars come out right next to you. You are a delightful surprise, and we'll watch the moon rise. Followed by Jupiter, Venus, and Mars, then the <laughs> night will be ours. And there our love will begin, because you put me in a spin. We'll dance and we'll spin, and the new world begins. I did it good that time. <laughs> oh, those sweet nothings. <laughs> it's a lot more words than usual, Bill. You're really... Uh into it. Yeah. Good. Very nice. Hopefully Wen will appreciate that as yeah. well. Yeah. She said my, she said my poems uh, helped her get, get through the COVID because I, I was sending her poems all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I wanted to do. Right. Mm. Want to go next? Okay. My granddaughters are 12 and 8 years old. They are being brought up in the Catholic tradition. By that I mean they are sent to CCD, which stands for Catholic Christian Doctrine sometimes called religious education or faith formation or Sunday school, mm -hmm. even when it's not on Sunday. Recently, they came home with chalk and holy water. Both items had been blessed by an ordained minister to use in an epiphany blessing 
for their homes for the year. Over the front door, they wrote with chalk, 20, across, a capital C, across, an M, across, a B, across, 23. It is written in chalk because next year the blessing will be for 2024. There are two possible meanings for this inscription. The one the girls used was a Latin blessing, standing for Christus Mansionum Benedicat, which means, may Christ bless this house and all who pass through the door. This is called an epiphany blessing because the blessing is written during the epiphany season. This feast is sometimes called Little Christmas. It calls to mind the time when the three magi, or three wise men, came and found the baby Jesus and gave him gifts of cold frankincense and myrrh. The other meaning of the blessing is using the initials that tradition says are the names of the three wise men, Caspar, Malchior, and Balthazar. But the two girls very solemnly and seriously wrote 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 23 and asked Jesus to bless the house. Then the eight-year-old walked through the house room by room, sprinkling holy water, while her older sister read the blessing prayers. I know a sacrament when I see one. Let those who have eyes see and those who have ears hear and those who have hearts understand. Well, the Catechism defines a sacrament as an outward sign instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church to give grace. If an epiphany blessing on the outside of your house doesn't fulfill the outward sign requirement, what would? We use chalk and water by a church's ordained minister. So you can check that requirement off. And if you want grace to see these two girls solemnly and seriously pray their way through the house, asking God to bless each room, then you don't have the heart to understand. Now you know why Jesus said in Mark 10, 14, let the children come to me, do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I know a sacrament when I see one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes. Well done. Faith would know. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. From the one true faith. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, I had seen that line a couple of weeks ago. So it probably was as an output from others in the class coming home and yeah. then people were going on Facebook <laughs> Must and saying, be in the what same is class. <laughs> what are you doing in my house? It's only chalk. It's only chalk. You see that in Europe a lot. Mm-hmm. Ready, sir? Okay. So February is coming. We have, uh, it's on the calendar, Groundhog Day, and so we can't ignore it. So anyway, uh, it's also Valentine's Day, and I was trying to work on a uh, Paul Simon song, 50 Ways to your Leave Your Lover. <laughs> I was going to make it 50 Ways to Love Your Lover. Ah. Yeah, make it funny. So anyway, uh, I have Groundhog Day today, and uh, it starts with, it's Groundhog Day. Hooray, hooray. Acted out with a star, as in a real play, with Puxatawney Phil and what he sees. Can we expect warmer or continued freeze? To many, it would seem like a real fact. Others think 
It's just a bunch of crap. <laughs> this hairy creature will show his whiskers. Will there be shadow or a cloudy blister? As we wait incredulous with bated breath, in the dead of winter, pray, let it not be death. Clouds don't normally make us smile, but we'll take it this time to get out of this, but out of, make us smile, but we'll take it this time to get out of this rut. With no sun for a shadow, it tells the tale. It will be an early spring. Our advantage does avail. Whether we believe, it doesn't really matter, as long as we all can join in the chatter. Very nice. Yeah, yes. very nice. Yes, yes. When you were talking about 50 ways to love your lover, yeah. I was waiting for you to say 50 ways to love your liver. <laughs> 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 Which could have yeah. been a great theme song for AA. And <laughs> <laughs> Make it a single shot. Right. <laughs> Zenobia, you got something for us. Yes, I am sticking with Valentine's Day. Oh, good. So the, my tentative title is Raymond from the Land of E-Harmony. Nearly 46 years later, I can still see my stepmother squinting from behind her bifocals while she summed up my future. The way I see it, she said, you can never even think about dating until your last child is an adult. She was answering my concerned question about being lonely since my divorce and wondering what I should do to make myself more available. Before she went into her patented, your father and I wish you had not gone into marriage so young. And look at now you have five children, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I zoned out because I was looking at my two-year-old son playing on a floor near me with little cars and four others who were running about my dad's house. And I thought, if he's two now, I'll have to wait until he's 18 before I can think about dating. That just really rained on my parade. I looked at them all suspiciously, thinking of ways to maybe hang them in a closet if a suitor came to visit and pretend they were winter clothing or packing them in suitcases with holes so they could breathe until my company left. But nah, I think that's against the law. That was no good. They kept milling around my apartment and at times seemed to multiply. I would count five of them, then sometimes I saw 10. Then once I think I saw 30, all wanting something. Money for school pictures, lunches, trips to the zoo, movie tickets and such. The big ones were old enough to deliver newspapers, but we were not in a safe neighborhood. So I was putting it off for a while. Maybe my stepmother was correct. I tried living like a hermit, but I knew that would never work. I snagged babysitters every now and then and went out with girlfriends or to a movie or restaurants. But they were mostly married with curfews and children of their own. So I was never fulfilled. Besides, I wanted my own fella. And the only ones I was meeting were those who possessed mug shots were unemployed, or were downright angry with the world and did not want a ready-made family. So I got by with half-hearted attempts at relationships 
still keeping my dream of having someone discover me, like in the fairy tales and soap operas I enjoyed. It never happened. Disaster after disaster and the years flew by. I found myself with a computer in 1997, but knew nothing of chat rooms or dating sites. I just played games on it. My older children were gone. My youngest son still came around and I was raising a grandson now, a young teen who thought his grandma was pretty cool and suggested in 2002 that I look into eHarmony. What's that, I said. He explained to me, and I'd had my share of the free sites anyway, where everyone loved the same stuff, long walks on the beach, candlelight dinners. It, I was amused with those unoriginal standard phrases, and I wrote an essay about them and turned it into one of the sites. I asked how many people could make a pilgrimage across a beach unless Moses was their leader. And if everyone <laughs> goes to a restaurant requesting candles, the fire department better be on standby. I followed with smart mouth suggestions about seniors not posing, wearing tight leather pants and standing next to Harleys when their legs could actually never go over it and ladies to stop filling their laps with either grandchildren or cats. I suggested these might be turnoffs for some. Needless to say, my comments were neither welcome or amusing. I was given the business and had to get out of email dodge real quick. It came, however, this eHarmony with a price. And I, as a woman recovering from some health issues and running a small daycare in my apartment, I was not rolling in dough. But I saved up enough to get a professional photo done, no cats, no grandchildren, and certainly no Harley, and enough pay for a month's advertising. I created what I thought was a friendly profile, then sat back and waited for the influx of dudes eager to meet me. <laughs> well, the sound of crickets met me each time I went to check my profile. No one, not a zilch. A friend suggested that I remember that a spring chicken I was not. I decided to cut her out of my will. But anyway, <laughs> I would have to be patient because I was 55 and wanted to meet someone with certain qualities, certain age requirements, and most of all, within 15 miles of my home. One day, however, when I logged into my account, there was mail waiting. Bing! Hot diggity dog. I had a bike. When I opened the mail, there was a friendly letter accompanied by a friendly face. The gentleman was well-groomed, wore the spectacles uh, of a real gentleman, a nice suit as far as I could see, tie, and such a gorgeous smile. He introduced himself as Raymond. I thought, wow, he's got my brother's name, and lived less than 40 minutes away in a nearby Minnesota suburb. He had seen my photo and liked what he saw and was interested in my writing. And to seal the deal, he was from Chicago, just like me. He was willing to send along his phone number, but wondered if I wanted to just correspond first and later we would make the exchange. So I thought that was reasonable. We exchanged email addresses and were off to the races. 
Every day between taking care of my young charges and interacting with my grandson, we were yakking back and forth. Turns out he was a retired bus driver, was a caretaker in the building where he lived, and was a recovered alcoholic. He loved the teachings of R.C. Sproul, a uh, theologian and the founder of a big ministry. He was not only a follower, but could quote Pastor Sproul verbatim as well as the AA Blue Book or the Big Book or the AA Bible, as some call it. And if that wasn't enough, he could quote the Bible and find scriptures in a flash. I was proud of him and every person who has been healed for, of alcoholism. It seemed these were three factors or these three factors seeped into every conversation, though sometimes as a uh, correction to anything I said, but I shrugged it off. The man knew his stuff and maybe I needed to learn about these things. It would be a learning experience. We finally exchanged phone numbers and talked like teens well into the night. The conversations were the same, except when I began to make a sentence or if I began to talk, it was usually interrupted by, wait, let me just say this. Then I'll let you talk. I cringed at the let, but allowed it to pass. We decided to meet at my apartment when my son and grandson would be there. And I was all a Twitter on the day of Raymond's visit. When I buzzed him in, when I buzzed him in, I was about to go out of my mind. He was freshly shaven, smelled really good, and was shy like a boy thrusting flowers into my hand and giving me such a big hug. Then I settled down. I, my, when my eyes focused, I noticed he was wearing an awful lot of green. You know, a suit of string bean green, a checked vest of a lighter green, and the necktie of still another green had come along for the ride. My guys, guys came out to greet him when I called them, and I noticed the quick smirk and look that passed between my son and grandson. I was a little miffed. After all, he was 10 years older than myself, 65, and probably settled in his ways and probably liked green and perhaps had been a long time since a lady helped him dress and they could just disappear back into their land of youth <laughs> and leave us older folks alone. Our relationship was growing. We emailed each day. We both began Olders with each other's email conversations. I labeled mine the Raymond and Zenobia Chronicles. I planned on using them one day after we got married. Yes, we were already talking marriage. And he suggested that he move into my city and we find a place together. Christmas was marvelous. I bought him something I can't remember, but he heard the mention of a book that I loved it's from seventh grade called Adventures in Appreciation with poetry and full-length theater dialogues and the whole, the whole Megillah. He had it and several generous gifts, gift cards sent to my apartment and my head was spinning, looking for relocation places for the next year. But in more than one conversation, I was beginning to be shushed more and more until one night Raymond said, you know, you're a pretty smart woman, but a little too big for your britches. 
when we get married, we'll put a halt to all that writing and, and running around speaking in churches. You'll be a wife. And before I could speak, speak, he began reciting Proverbs 31 to me about the biblical virtuous woman. After that and a few more conversations, I sat mutely on the other end of the phone, letting him just talk away. And sometimes I do not think he missed me or missed the interchange of voices. He was doing what he liked best. And even when I pointed it out to him, he felt that the man was a leader <clears throat> of things. That's what he was doing, leading. Finally, we began to fizzle. He made mention that he was a good catch and maybe I could find someone who wished to allow me to take the lead. I did not bother to reply. My great romance of eight months or so had gone nowhere. The beauty of this experience, if there is one to be found, is that we settle into our seasoned years and want to invite someone into our life. And there can be a great deal of unforeseen compromise. I saw Raymond on Facebook one day a few years back, marrying a much younger woman, living as pleased as punch, and I wished him well in my heart. I still have a Valentine's Day card from him, and for some reason, I haven't tossed it. Romance remembered is still beautiful, and besides, we should never give up on love. There you go. Wow, nice one. Very good. That's wonderful. Oh. All those pros up in smoke. <laughs> mm. <laughs> started about what? with the, too much yeah. green. Yeah, right. Did your son and grandson call him the Jolly Jean Green Giant? They called him uh, the Lucky Charms. Oh. Lucky ah. Charms. <laughs> <laughs> the close cousin of the Jolly Jean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Peter J., you got something for us? I do indeed. Excellent. Go for it. Per your missive on February, I have chosen... Presidents, 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 presidents. Day, day, day. Day, day, day. <laughs> I read henceforth. Henceforth. Until recently, we celebrated Washington and Lincoln as two of our finest presidents. Then, rather than add any more presidents, we lumped them and perhaps a few others into a single holiday, President's Day. My issue with President's Day, third Monday in February, is that there's not much in the way of festivities other than some supposedly spectacular savings on new cars. Shop now, they're going fast. This crass car commercialism tends to make our President's Day seem somewhat feckless as an inspiring holiday to honor greatness in our leaders. George Washington became our first duly elected president, he being officially sworn into office on April 30th, 1789. He served two terms until March 4th, 1797. From that time, his inauguration... 233 years ago until this very day, today, there have been 85,372 days where someone has held that august title in high office. Why does this number matter? Each one of those days is technically a President's Day, be it a good or a bad one. Did Martha ask George, hey, how was your day, dear? <laughs> Each president's normal term of office is 1,481 good and bad days long. This is where some third-grade arithmetic kicks in to divvy up all those President's Day celebrations and honorifics equitably among our leaders of the free world. There are only 1,440 minutes 
or 86,400 seconds in any given day. Thus, compressing those 85,000-plus President's Days into a single holiday leaves us with just over one second to celebrate each one of all those specific President's Days. That means we can celebrate Washington and the other two-termers for about 50 minutes each. Fair enough. Then there's William Henry Harrison, who was in office for a scant 32 days before he died. In your President's Day festivity planner, he's good for about 34 seconds. <laughs> Give take. And finally, we come to David Rice Acheson. He is best known for the claim that for 24 hours, Sunday, March the 4th, 1849, through noon on Monday, March the 5th, he was technically the acting president of the United States for 24 hours. On Friday, March the 2nd, 1849, the outgoing vice president, George M. Dallas, relinquished his position as president of the Senate. Congress had previously elected Atchison as president-senate pro temp. So Atchison was now the Senate president as of that Friday. Inauguration Day, March 4th, fell on a Sunday in 1849 when the term of the outgoing president, James K. Polk, ended at noon. President-elect Zachary Taylor did not take the presidential oath of office until Monday, the next day. In 1849, according to the Presidential Succession Act of 1792, the Senate president pro tempore immediately followed the vice president in the presidential line of succession. Since Dallas's term also ended at noon on the 4th, and as neither Taylor nor Vice President-elect Millard Fillmore had been sworn into office until the next day, it was noted by Atchison's colleague that on March 4th and 5th, 1849, under the statutes, regulations, machinations, ruminations of federal laws prescribing presidential succession, Atchison became the official acting president of the United States for a day. Thus, within our President's Day party planner, we should note with the greatest solemnity the Atchison moment, <laughs> which takes place at 5.56 and 15 seconds in the morning <laughs> as an official micro-holiday at the poetic dawn of President's Day. It's just over a second long, and I propose that we all gather in the village square to say his name, loudly and proudly, Atchison, and then it's over. And then we crisply move on to Zachary Taylor. Crispy. The good news is that for 24 hours, Atchison didn't do a single thing wrong. His blemish-free record in high office stands as the high-water mark for presidential deliberation, decorum, and accomplishment because he humbly opted not to accomplish anything at all. <laughs> in light of Atchison's unique, albeit freedingly brief, place in presidential history, I have created the Atchison Presidential Library. I have taken it upon myself to personally fund the entire project, so no taxpayer monies are involved. I maintain the entire Atchison Library in this shoebox. <laughs> it's a small piece of paper containing a personal note penned by Atchison himself to his personal assistant, written on Monday morning during the waning hours of his term of office. It's a shopping list asking for oats for his horse, some boot black, and a firkin of whale oil. <laughs> Note that on President's Day, 
The colors of bunting and other decor are typically in most patriotic fashion, as red, white, and blue. At 11 o'clock at night, when we stumble into President 45, the bunting is changed to orange and black. <laughs> you okay, Zenobia? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew there were so many shadow presidents? Oh, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> a little preamble to my gazal, Thoreau's chairs. Thoreau, not a president. Uh huh. He, Henry David Thoreau. We all Massachusetts folks and others who may recall him as being of Walden Pond and mm -hmm. other. He had a thing where there was actually, I think, just one line. I have to go back and read the book, but the quote at least said, I have three chairs. One chair for solitude, one chair for family and friends, and one chair for company. I found that in a book that I'm starting to read and well into and enjoying it thoroughly by Sherry Turkle, Reclaiming Conversation, since given the post-pandemic and everything, it's been kind of one of the themes that's been bubbling. You know, we need to have a, an honest and a legitimate and a tough conversation respectfully, and how do we do that? With a book titled Reclaiming Conversation, there might be something there, and I'm finding stuff. So, Thoreau's chairs, two parts. Regular tables are an efficient use for maximizing space within the room where there can be only so many chairs. Why is it that sitting alone is the hardest thing to do? Solitude can be so beneficial when there is only one chair. Round tables use more space, yet no matter where you sit, you are on the same level with the person in the next chair. At the breakfast table, I go fetch my phone because you asked for my schedule, which we review when I come back to sit in my chair. The conversation will go around and round the square meal when the whole family sits together in each their own chair. Take a walk to Henry's place. He will welcome your visit. He will bring out for you to sit on one of his chairs. Part two, without tone or body language, it is just the words that are shared within the app that you use while sitting in your chair. Emojis and photos are added to provide the thousand words left out inconveniently by you sitting impatiently in your chair. The party game is now online, of course, and when the music stops, who is the one left out when they don't find a chair? The rain continues after dark. As the storm forecast comes true, water runs down the gutter, filling the background while I sit writing in my chair. I ponder at what age will the youth need a smart device to get by in this digital world while you increase your device time sitting in your chair. What is more authentic, the auto-generated chat text or me reaching across the table 
to hold your hand while I patiently sit in my chair. So a little bit of groundhog with the repetition, a little bit of love thrown in there, and hopefully a starter of some conversation. (laughs) Well, I live fairly near to his house. If I had gone there, he would have pointed to me, you! You wrong chair, wrong chair. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I was sick of the Goldilocks and the three bears. Right. <laughs> that came along, and that may be in another part, <laughs> but it didn't quite fit in this one yet. But yeah, the too hard, too soft, just right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, we've had a good session today, wandering through groundhogs, presidents, even one for a day. <laughs> sacraments, and poetry, of course. For those who are listening, if you would like to join us in person, certainly in the Franklin Mass area, contact the Senior Center. Find out our schedule. We meet Wednesdays at 1 o'clock at the Senior Center. And virtually, for anybody else who would like to join, also contact the Franklin Senior Center or info at Franklin TV and get our schedule to get on our mailing list and you can join us virtually anywhere you are from. So for the end of this session, we thank you for listening and until next time. So this is Steve Sherlock. I'm Al Larkin. Faith Flaherty. Bill Wiley. I'm Peter J. Keep writing. Thanks for being with us here on Senior Story Hour. Until the next time, I'm Peter J. Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaning, experiences of life become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper and just write. This is FPR, Franklin Public Radio.